Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, which features the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. 2015 marks the 25th anniversary of Sino-Singapore diplomatic relations and partnerships. Collaborations between China and Singapore have grown tremendously. In 2013, Singapore became China's top foreign investor country in economic terms. As China continues to be a major power with its growth influencing the world instrumentally, what lessons can the economic giant pick up from Singapore, the little red dot that became China's top foreign direct investor despite its physical size? In this podcast, SMU Associate Professor of Law Henry Gao analyzes the economic and political aspects that China can learn from Singapore. He elaborates on three main areas, anti-corruption, economic development and diplomacy. Professor, can you give us an introduction and some context on the relevance of this topic at this point in time? Why are we talking about what China can learn from Singapore 25 years after the establishment of the diplomatic relationships now? Uh, Singapore establishes a diplomatic relationship with China rather late in 1990, but since the very beginning, Singapore has been a very good partner to China. Uh, we have heard about all these uh, products that Singapore has been doing in China, for example, starting with the uh, Suzhou uh, Industrial Park, and now we have the uh, uh, Sino-Singapore Tianjin Eco City. Uh, and uh, uh, in addition to uh, helping China in terms of economic development, Singapore has also helped China to uh, conduct its uh, political reform. There has been many efforts by the Chinese government to learn from Singapore, for example, by sending officials to Singapore to learn in the so-called mayor uh, classes, and also uh, various efforts to develop its political system along the Singapore model. Now, uh, if you look at the economic figures, the economic figures are very good. Uh, in just uh, 25 years, the bilateral trade between Singapore and China has increased by more than 20 times. It has risen from uh, 4.2 billion US dollars to 92 billion US dollars, which is uh, really a lot considering the size of Singapore. And China is uh, Singapore's largest trading partner and uh, Singapore is also one of the largest trading partners of China. So uh, if you look at the economic numbers, I think Singapore is uh, very much relevant uh, for China. And if you look at the investment side, uh, Singapore is also very important as well. Actually, a surprising figure from last year was that uh, the number one FDI source uh, into China is uh, Singapore. That actually surprised uh, many observers because given the small size of the country, you would think that Singapore would not be number one. It would be US or UK or some other countries. But Singapore, uh, with 7.33 billion in terms of investment, is the biggest source of uh, uh, foreign direct investment in China. So that means that Singapore is still relevant to China in terms of its economic development. But now it has been 25 years since we established a diplomatic relationship. So I think now is a time for us to pause a little bit and think what can Singapore do to keep its relevance to China, to keep as a useful partner to China. And uh, this is something that I think we can discuss more today. Can you please elaborate on the first aspect, which is what you said about anti-corruption? 
with regard to anti-corruption, you know, there has been uh, many attempts by China to learn from Singapore. And uh, some people are saying uh, one reason for the Singapore success is because it pays high salaries to officials, especially those at the top. So China should follow suit by increasing its salaries to the top officials because if you look at the current situation, uh, the top officials in China are paid peanuts, you know, very little compared to uh, what politicians in Singapore would make. But one problem for that is that because China is a communist country, so in terms of the ideology, uh, the officials are supposed to be uh, the servants of the people. They are not supposed to be in there for the personal good or the personal benefits. So if you increase their salary, this would defeat their ideology, which says as Communist Party members, they should sacrifice themselves for the benefits of the people, and this would make sense really uh, difficult. So unless China is willing to change its political system, it would be difficult for them to follow suit by paying more to the officials. Let's talk about the second area. What are the key strengths of Singapore's economic development that China can learn from? Singapore, as I said, has been a very important partner in terms of both trade and investment and also in terms of China's domestic development by having all these industrial parks and Echo City, for example. Now, looking to the future, I think um, China is at a phase nowadays uh, that is the so-called new normal, that is slower economic growth. Uh, in the past, uh, for example, for uh, more than 20 years, we have seen double-digit growth in China, but that is not sustainable. Actually, currently, the government is only looking at between 7 to 7.5% of annual growth. So with the much lower GDP growth, uh, I think uh, China has entered a phase by which the old development model is no longer feasible. Instead, China should try to upgrade its economy so as to move from a primarily labor-intensive and resource-intensive country to a capital-intensive and maybe technology-intensive country. And this is where Singapore also can provide some license to China. If you look at what Singapore did, for example, in the 80s in terms of the economic development by upgrading the economy, by moving from the uh, labor-intensive sectors to the high-tech sectors uh, such as uh, computer uh, manufacturing, such as uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, such as oil refineries and so on, this is really uh, where China could learn from Singapore by looking at Singapore's experience in developing its economy, uh, the lessons, the successful lessons, uh, and also uh, the uh, potential pitfalls that China should avoid. Now, diplomacy is the last lesson you focused on. Tell us more. Well, in terms of a diplomacy, uh, China for a long time has been adopting uh, the so-called Tao uh, Guangyanghui policy, uh, which was dictated by Deng Xiaoping. Tao Guangyanghui in Chinese basically means to lay low and to try to uh, keep a low profile, uh, not making a big trouble at the international level. But now China has uh, uh, become number two in terms of world GDP. 
and uh, now it has become a major power in the world. Now, uh, more and more people, both inside and outside of China, are seeing that China should play a bigger role in terms of the uh, international affairs. And indeed, you see that China has been uh, doing more at the international stage. Looking in this region, for example, you saw that China has uh, adopted a more aggressive position with regard to its uh, disputed islands in the South China Sea uh, and with regard to some other issues in its dealings with ASEAN. But personally, I think China's uh, uh, maneuvers in this regard are not really what are the best for China. I mean, China should learn from Singapore in terms of a more sophisticated diplomacy by trying to advance its interests in a more uh, nuanced way uh, that would also make others comfortable. As we all know, Singapore being the country with the highest per capita GDP in this region uh, is uh, a leader, uh, at least in terms of uh, economic development. But Singapore didn't because of its uh, uh, high per capita GDP, therefore started pointing fingers and tell other countries what you should do and what you should not do. Instead, Singapore was careful by actually, uh, uh, instead of uh, telling others what to do, by uh, skillfully, I would say, nudging others to do this or that. One example is ASEAN. You know, when ASEAN was set up, actually, Singapore played a major role in the establishment of of, of ASEAN. But Singapore didn't take the leadership position. Instead, Singapore wanted countries like Indonesia to take the leadership position, and then Singapore provide advice to Indonesia and to help Indonesia to know what is the best for the region, uh, which is also consistent with its own national interests. So in terms of uh, diplomacy, I think China should also learn from Singapore in terms of a better exporting its ideas rather than just uh, tell other people this is what you should do and this is what you should not do because this usually does not go down well with a lot of countries. Before we let you go, share with us your thoughts on this Sino-Singapore partnership going forward. Well, in conclusion, as I was saying, uh, Singapore has been very useful to China. It has been uh, uh, regarded as a very valuable partner to China for the past 25 years. Going forward, if Singapore wants to keep its relevance uh, to China and uh, keep its position as a, a valuable and useful partner, I think Singapore can try to offer more lessons to China in terms of uh, both the political development and economic development and also the development of international diplomacy. So these are the lessons that I think uh, Singapore can offer to China. Thank you, Professor Gao. You're welcome.